There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mainstream media outlets do not cater for the needs of you as a Muslim. There are topics which they will completely ignore. For example, the hijab ban that is happening in India, the Islamophobia that Muslim women all over in the West are facing. They don't even report Palestine or Syria in a balanced manner. So through my podcast and my YouTube channel, I discuss the topics specifically related to Muslim women, that particular mainstream popular culture will not discuss. Topics like critiquing feminism, topics such as number of hijab bands, niqab bands that are happening in India, in France, in Canada. These are challenges that Muslim women are facing. And I'm going to keep continuing to shine a light on these topics. So inshallah, I would love your help and support in continuing to create this content for Muslim women, which is challenging the very negative Islamophobic narrative that we are being given. I think as a Muslim creator, we should be producing content that is Islamic, that is well-researched and provides hope to Muslim women and men that as Muslims, when we see an evil, we can change it with our hand we can speak about it or we can hate it in our heart and I think some of us are able to create videos and podcasts and others who are not able to do that like yourself you can support that work as well and gain in the reward inshallah by contributing and supporting to my Patreon page. The link is in the description below. Inshallah, may Allah reward you and please do the well for all the Muslims around the world that we can continue to challenge this Islamophobic narrative. But always remember that Allah is with the righteous. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. My name is Farhat Amin. I'm your host. And today's topic is continuing from last week. But we're speaking about equality in the context of our relationships. 
and marriage in particular. So let me tell you a story. About a year ago, I had the opportunity to speak to a young Muslim girl who was on the brink of going to university. And for some reason, I don't know why, we got speaking about marriage and she was telling me what she thought was a good um, recipe for a good marriage and how basically she thought, she was talking about this mutual family friends that we had and and she was saying how, you know, they've got a good balance, their, their marriages, their responsibilities and duties are kind of equally distributed you don't have the guy saying to the wife you have to do stuff and the wife goes out to work and they both are very active in the home and um and I thought that's interesting that she's got that take on that couple's marriage which in really she it was that's not how it was they, they one alhamdulillah they were very happy they you know they were practicing couple that you know slightly minded but the, and yes the wife does work however she does do the cooking and the housework um the husband he does go to work but he goes out and gets the shopping he does the DIY and um but I thought okay I'm, I'm not going to say to her this is you know this is completely wrong the way that you're painting it but she was this was I could tell she felt quite passionate about she was really talking about her own what she wants to do and how when she chooses to get married that that's how she would like it, that why should the woman doesn't have to do everything as far as in the home. And and I thought, okay, so um, now the thing is what I, I wasn't so surprised by her, what she was saying. It was more, I was surprised by what I then said. And bearing in mind, this is a year ago. And so what is it that I said? So let me give you a bit of... Um, context to this conversation I'm looking at this young girl who as I said she's about to go to university and I was thinking what can I say to her to help her you know kind of stay stay true to Islam while she's at university where as you all know you've got mixed dormitories it's a really it's a you know the first few weeks is just there to party but there's the you know the 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 promiscuous nature of university life. Everyone knows about that. And so, and she's speaking about, yeah, I think, you know, equality in relationships is good. And and so I just thought, what can I say to her to make her think, yeah, I I want to, Islam has something to offer here, you know, maybe. So, you know, I can't, I can't believe I said this. Um, So yeah, so I, what do I say to her? I said, Oh yes, um, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he used to darn his own socks. He used to help his wife with chores. You know, I just thought, I just started saying what I thought would make her want to follow Islam. And even as I was saying it, I was thinking, oh yeah, I remember saying, yeah, Khadija, she used to be a businesswoman, didn't she? She was very independent. She, you know, um, the Prophet, peace be upon him, worked for her originally. And I was just, you know, I was picking out um, scenarios in in the Prophet, peace be upon him's marriages. Well, I didn't even mention marriages, you know, um, that would confirm what she was saying. I didn't want to say, oh, no, there is also the fact that the Prophet, peace be upon him, and in Islam... The husband, 
he's the head of the household. You know, you have, um, there are roles, there are responsibilities. The, the wife does actually, she's in charge of the home. She takes care of the kids and the household duties. You know, how she manages that is up to her and her husband, but well, her in particular, but there are, I, I was, you know, we're not just left to decide, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to change this bit. I'm going to change that. So I didn't say anything of that to her. And, um, and so, yeah, we then just moved on to something else now. And then later on, it really bugged me. I couldn't understand why did I do that when what I said actually didn't agree with what I put into practice in my own marriage. And, you know, I had, I was taking care of the home and the kids and my husband did go out to work and he would, um, he would provide for the family. That is what, that is what we, that was the way our marriage was and that wasn't because um you know we just decided we wanted to do that we had when we got married we'd looked for a partner (coughs) who wanted that I didn't want to marry someone who say to me no you need to go out to work and your earnings are going to be part of taking care of the home you know I could have married someone like that my husband could have married someone you know who who didn't view marriage in an Islamic way but we chose not to it was quite you know it wasn't easy at that time to find someone like that this is roughly you know maybe 20 20 odd years ago but um yeah so I thought what made me say that to this young girl and when it was the opposite to what I believed what I and even um you know according to our texts our Islamic texts it was the opposite and um I then remember speaking to some other um, family friends and then they, it's interesting that they said they had had similar conversations. This was with non-Muslims and what they said was that in trying to make someone like Islam and not portray Islam in a negative way, that seems to be the reason why they are kind of trying to make Islam fit into this box that and that box has has isn't um doesn't have islamic you know um what's the word isn't an islamic box doesn't have an islamic frame it's actually um you get it's a, a um a kind of liberal plural progressive box and which and they said we're trying to put islam into that box and then present it to people so that they will like islam and they will like muslims and they won't think that we are backward or that we're, again, we're not progressive and we're not open-minded, these kind of words. And I think that's when the penny dropped for me. And I I began a journey that I realised, hold on, I don't think I've understood my deen. I thought I did. You know, isn't it amazing? I'm wearing a khimar and a jilbab, so I look the part. But when it came to just explaining the most basic um thing like what is islam islamic view of marriage i couldn't i couldn't say it i didn't know it and it made like i said then it made me that's when i began my journey that i need to go and re look at my understanding of um it's the things that i'm living how am i living my life so you may feel this as well no one's questioning and i wasn't questioning my belief in allah my belief in the quran yes of course 
they're the way it's I believe in them that's not the discussion here and it's quite a worrying when you realize okay I, I believe in the Quran and Sunnah but I'm not um, and you could even say was I living by it yes but I couldn't explain it to someone else someone who was challenging and actually to be honest that young girl wasn't even challenging she was just giving her view but I couldn't coherently put explain it to her I couldn't put the argument together you know I th- and it was disingenuous it wasn't I didn't feel authentic um and I didn't feel confident enough or you know did I it's like I was thinking I don't even have I don't have the audacity to say to no although that's your view and it didn't have to be even be a confrontation I didn't have the guts that's what it is I didn't have the guts to say to no that's actually not what Islam says this is what Islam says and it is what it is that's just the facts so it got me thinking that if I want to stand up for Islam you know even though it's inconvenient for others to hear I'm going to have to find out the facts myself or you know remind myself of what the facts are and I think what can happen for many of us is that when it comes, okay, in, when it comes to marriage in particular. Now, having been brought up in a, a liberal Western country, we know that, so this comes to the topic for today, you know, we've been told equality as an idea, as a value, as something to live by is a good thing we should want equality in our lives and you know so when we think of slavery slavery is bad because the slaves were not treated equally when we think of work um we think yeah whether it's a man or woman if you're doing the same job you should be paid equally again that makes complete sense as well So there were many examples in our life and whether it's through the books we read. So let's just take, you know, any um, when we think of war situations that when one country occupies another country and then enslaves or oppresses or tries to exterminate that, you know, one minority, um, whether that be because of their religion or race, they are not being treated equally. I know a lot about the British Raj having come from, you know, in parents originally come from India. You know, my so my my dad in particular, we used to he used to tell us a lot about the treatment, um, how the British treated the Indians and how Gandhi was a hero for my father, up to a point. <laughs> and and again, and then so we used to watch a lot of movies relating to that and documentaries. So again, you know, the British, they did not, the colonisers, they did not treat the Indians of all religions equally. So, you know, there were times where now what we have to do, and this is that this is, this is why this is really important. Um, we have to take each situation when equality is discussed and then look, does that agree with what Islam says? And that takes time, doesn't it? you have to be bothered and you have to 
again, make an effort to find out what does Islam say in each of these situations. And you then can then, that then gives you the guideline, it gives you the framework. Because um, if we don't do that, you know, we could then end up, um, our ideas and our likes and our dislikes, they're not being shaped by our Creator and our Prophet they're being shaped by society, you know, it's, and what is nor seen to be normal and acceptable at that time and place. And what we have to remember is man-made ideas and ideologies. So let that be, you know, if that's liberalism, feminism, you know, socialism, they evolve. And if you look at, you know, how what was viewed as sacred in by the early liberals it's changed it's developed and that that's normal because people if change and they evolve and their likes and dislikes change you know i spoke about this in um just think of the attitudes whether it's something as basic as smoking you know the attitude towards that or if we think of just the attitudes towards like we're interested in relationships today. So we'll we'll look at think about that that how at one point marriage in the West, in non-Muslim countries in particular, marriage was important, you know, and that was because Christianity was important. And so whatever their version of Christianity in the past, they did value, you know, had that a family consisted of a husband, a wife, they took care of the children. You know, so, but now you can see as the um, influence of religion, as Western countries have become more secular, so religion is just a personal thing, the importance of religion in society and the rules of that religion, the uh, influence has decreased. Inshallah, what I would like to do now is go through some of the main principles of an Islamic marriage. And at the end of the podcast, I will tell you about two really good books that I have used regarding the evidences and just general advice um, that I'm giving in, um, because I'm not a scholar or ustad, but there's two books that I used and I'll I'll tell you about them at the end. So, okay, the first principle is that the family is extremely important in Islam, it's like, like the cornerstone of society and protecting the family, maintaining the family and giving, you know, family ties, respect is so important in Islam. Now, how are responsibilities and roles given by Allah to, to men and women? So there's a very famous hadith narrated by Abdullah bin Umar. He said that the Prophet ﷺ said, Every one of you is a shepherd and his, is responsible for his flock. The leader of the people is a guardian and is responsible for his subjects. A man is the guardian of his family and is responsible for them. A woman is the guardian of her husband's home and of his children and is responsible for them. That's narrated in Bukhari. Now in Surah 2, Ayah 228, Allah says, wives have rights similar to their obligations, according to what is recognized to be fair, and husbands have a degree of right over them, 
God is almighty and wise. Now, what does this degree over them mean? It's that the men are the emir of the house, the head of the house. It's their responsibility to provide financially for the family. So they go out, they go, they earn money and they spend that money on their wife, on their children, buying the groceries, paying the bills. You know, they take care of their wives and their children. And so it's their it's their responsibility to keep the family secure, to, you know, if you want to call that, provide them with food, clothing and shelter. They should protect their wives. They should protect their children. Now, then, now how do we, should a Muslim husband um, live by this? How do you actually practically live by this? So as with every action, we get the details from the life of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. He is our example when it comes to salah, fasting, zagat. So he is also our example when it comes to what is a husband. Now, in the same way, our example for us as women is the wives of the prophet the female companions so what is our role in the family our role is to be the homemakers we manage the home so you know we that we take care of the kids we organize the cooking the cleaning that's what we do and so there's that is the division of labor and that is not equal I'm going to be honest and we have to be, again, here's where the honesty and being true to our deen comes into it. We don't have this idea in Islam that all work, all responsibilities are divided equally. No, they're not. That's what they, that's the idea that um, exists, you know, um, in, in the West. And that's what they're trying to say we should be like. But we are coming from the point where we submit our will to Allah, that we believe there's a creator. We believe that he knows what is best for us. He knows how to organize our families, what will work well. A question that many people wonder about is how do you create a happy marriage? What is the secret to success when it comes to marriage? Now, in the Quran, Allah tells us exactly how to achieve happiness and tranquility. In the Quran, in Surah 30, Ayah 21, Allah says, and among his signs is this, 
that he created for you mates from amongst yourselves, that you may dwell in peace and tranquility with them. And he has put love and mercy between your hearts. Verily in that are signs for those who reflect. So when we go into a marriage, not with a selfish attitude of what can I get out of this and that I want to keep my independence. I don't, I'm not going to listen to anyone when in, you know, in particular, this is what we're given as, um, women in living in society that don't listen to your husband. Why should you, um, you have to keep your independence. You have to keep your job. You have to don't, um, let some man, your husband dictate to you, what you should wear or what you should do but really if we think of so many there are so many voices dictating to us whether it's our boss at work you know we are let's be really honest we really we obey our bosses when it comes to if you want it overtime they want you to stay to do overtime or if they give you deadlines or they expect you to be in at a certain time when I was speaking to a mindful Muslim about when she had a um, very high pressure job. She said that at one point she was obeying her boss and she, wherever she wasn't obeying her husband, you know, I'm paraphrasing that. And that's when she realized there's a problem here. And so, you know, do we obey the magazines we read? Do, are we obeying and following our friends? You know, yes, we do that. We listen to, do we think is it so we have no problem okay I'll listen to my friend I'll listen to what my mum says or I'll listen to what some influencer is saying you know but the idea that I might want to listen to the advice of my husband no suddenly that's at that point it's sexist at that point it's misogynistic so we I I found it I had to flip the way I thought um let's just listen to some advice from the prophet when someone asked him, how, what do you command us regarding our wives? He said, give them food, what you, what you have for yourself and clothe them by which you clothe yourself and do not beat them and do not insult them. Um, Ibn Abbas, a Sahaba, identified a reciprocal aspect of the marital relationship. He said, I love to beautify myself for my wife, just as I would love for her to beautify herself for me. Because Allah says, wives have rights similar to their obligations and according to what is recognized to be fair. Let me tell you about the two books I mentioned earlier. They're by a sister named Aisha Lemu. Uh, she has now passed away. May Allah grant her Jannah. And the name of the two books, they're short books, is called The Ideal Muslim Wife and The Ideal Muslim Husband. You can download them both for free from my website, faratameen.com. If you go to the podcast section and then click on Muslim Marriage and it uh, will be part of you, you can just download it there. And in there are numerous hadith and ayah and advice and explanation regarding the uh, relationship and role I think it would be really good I found them really useful to read you know some of the language is uh, it was written a while ago so don't be put off by any words you know um, this can people can be a bit picky with um, this sometimes but you know read them with a you know without looking take your you know the kind of viewpoint we've been given a very that oh everything is so sexist and being hypersensitive to um 
us being told that we have to, you know, do, we must do this or we must do that. Now, really, we need to get away from thinking like that, that because we are told to, when, once we submit to Allah, we are given rules. And now it's interesting that when we look at non-religious rules, um, we accept them. We see the, we can see, even if we don't disagree with them, so even if we don't agree with them, we still follow them. You know, think of traffic lights, think of wearing a seatbelt, you know, think of um, rules relating to work times, holidays. You know, we follow these rules, but for some reason when it comes to marriage rules in particular, uh, or even Islamic rules that we think um, are taking away our freedom, um, we're very reluctant to follow them. And I think this is the thing we need to we need to think about. I'd like to just look at a saying by Umar. Uh, I may have mentioned this before, and, and I think you've probably come across it uh, yourselves, that uh, Umar said that during the time of in Jahliya, he said, we used to have no regard for women whatsoever. But when Islam came and Allah made mention of them, this caused us to realize that they have rights upon us. So this was him talking about his mentality just you know, this was before Islam came. And, you know, we know I'd sp- spoken about you, and I'm sure you know about infanticide, the very casual relationships, sexual relationships they had with women. Women didn't have inheritance rights. rights. And in particular, if you were a, um, if you came from a poorer family, then as a woman, you know, you, like you said, no regard. Now, I'm going to read a, um, a section from a book that I'm reading. It's called Return to Modesty by Wendy Shallett. She's an American and she wrote this book 15 years ago. And um, she outlines in some some detail based on her own experience and the experience of her friends and women in America about the way male-female fa- relationships are. And so this is one of her summaries. Form- formerly, a man who was impatient with women, i.e. impatient as in he says to her after the first, first date, I want to go to bed, you know, we should sleep together. And she says no. So a man who was impatient with a woman with their hangups or their inexperience and just wanted to get what, right down to business would go to a prostitute. So previously that's what they do. Or to put it differently, when men behaved like jerks, at least they compensated the women for it. Today, men expect to be able to treat all women like prostitutes, only without just compensation, and the virgins are the ones who are now stigmatized. It is the single women who are treated like unpaid prostitutes. Now, when I read that, it reminded me of what Omar said when he said we had no regard for women. And really, that does sum up um, the way... Women, uh, women are viewed, you know, and I'm not gonna. That that is isn't something that makes me happy. I don't look at that and think, oh, look at these guffar, look at these not this non-Muslim society, how badly they treat the women, and or that the women look at the way they dress and they deserve it. The thing is, this isn't. This is a source of sadness for any right-minded human being to think, why do is it okay that women are treated so badly? Um, she goes on to to say that um, 
And the first thing, oh no, she she when she's speaking about how she talks about the sexual revolution that took place in the 1970s. I've mentioned that previously where, um, you know, basically, you know, sleeping around, um, having more than one partner became acceptable during that time. And she said that um, the sexual revolution was misogynistic. And it said to women, yes, dear, you can be a bitch, you can be a slut, excuse the words, that's hers, not mine. You can sleep around as much as you want to. You can pretend to be a man, but you're not allowed to be modest. You're not allowed to say that I want to save myself for marriage. She's saying that that is what was told to women. Now, um, and she continues, a sexual revolution seems to have failed mostly because it ignored the differences between the sexes, specifically the importance of female modesty. When it failed, it fell when women began to discover that they were uniquely compromised by a sexual free-for-all. There was an attempt, there was an attempt to restore order through the women's liberation movement, but um, it too failed because it was reluctant to consider the importance of natural modesty. <clears throat> and held that all differences between men and women we observed were the result of oppression, i.e. the patriarchy. And so she says, we want our dignity back, saying women, our feminine mystique back, along with it, the notion of male honor. Isn't that interesting? Our mothers tell us we shouldn't want to give up all the hard-won gains, i.e. as in equality, they have bequeathed to us, and we think, what gains? sexual harassment, date rape, stalking, eating eating disorders, all these dreary hookups, or perhaps it's the great gain of divorce you had in mind. Now, I thought, because I really wanted, I learned a lot from that book, and it's one of the books in the um, Thinking Muslims book club that we've started. We've got 40 members now, mashallah, on um, it's part you can join by going on to Goodreads. So here's an observation that I now make, and I'm sure you, many of us have come to this conclusion, that from the 1970s onwards, in Western countries, so UK, Europe, US, Australia, the idea of that a woman should, um, if she wants to find a partner, a, um, a life partner, she no longer needs to get married. Instead, you can have casual relationships instead. That became normalised. Now, therefore, if you don't need to get married, you don't need to be a wife. You don't need to have those responsibilities. So being a housewife was now, it had become redundant. And then being a mother and the value given to mothers and taking care of children, that was now being eroded. There's a famous writer called Simone de Bouvier. She's a feminist. She said the following, no woman should be authorized to stay at home to raise her children. Women should not have that choice, precisely because if there is such a choice, too many women will make that one. It is a way of forcing women in a certain direction. So that's a direct quote. And um, and this was from her book, um, The Second Sex. So she is saying that we shouldn't be given the choice to want to be mothers and housewives. And later on, she describes women who... Um, 
choose to um, basically stay at home and their husband provides for them. They are parasites. Yeah, you heard me right. We're being compared to parasites. So that, uh, you know, that's what, and she's a, Google her, um, Simone de Bouvier. So that's what was being given, told, that's what's being told to women. And, you know, there are many others. So you've got that. So that, but that was the ideal that all women were given. And um, what, I, I'm, I'm questioning that. I don't think that's correct. And it, there are many non-Muslim women who also think it's not correct. But let's have a look at the idea of, you know, what has been the effect of when you um, devalue motherhood, what happens? Now, Sue Palmer, the author of 21st Century Girls, another really good book, she said, when motherhood is viewed merely as an inconvenient interruption to their working lives, by women's working lives, it's bound to have a negative effect on the self-conception of women and girls. Okay, so if you're, it's, you know, she's saying here that you begin to think you have no value. And um, um, Anne-Marie Slaughter, an American international lawyer who wrote a famous article called Why Women Still Can't Have It All, she said, women of my generation have clung to the feminist credo we were raised with, even as our ranks have been steadily thinned by unresolvable tensions between family and career, in attempting to dismantle the patriarchal norm of the male breadwinner and female homemaker, women have poured into the labour market, galvanising the engines of capitalism in ways that have unfairly burdened some women. So both of them talk about what has been the effect of once equality was taken as the ideal, so men go out to work, women go out to work, who's taking care of the children? Yeah, what happened? What's happening to families? And if we look at, well, let's have a look at what has have been the negative consequences of equality being taken as an ideal. Let's take a look at some statistics. Now, there was um, a survey done by Modern Families Index. And in in this survey, 40% of UK parents and carers said work affected their ability to spend together time as a family. 39% saying it prevented them from being able to say goodnight to their children often or all the time. 42% said work commitments meant they could not help their children with their homework. And the NHS survey in 2017 said one in eight of the UK's children experience mental health problems. Now, there are many factors that would create these statistics, but this was specifically asking parents about their, how they felt work was affecting taking their children. So parents, that is a high number. Each one is nearly, well, apart from 39%, up nearly 40% had concerns. Now, what we can see is that there have been negative consequences to taking equality as the ideal, and that is ultimately what feminism has been pushing for. Now, we can't deny that it has achieved some benefits for women. So I've, I've um, outlined them previously uh, regarding getting the vote. And, you know, and that when 
and as Muslims, we take women's rights that Allah has given, they should be given them. They're not up for debate. No one is allowed to take them away. Now, um, but by calling for equality between men and women, the net result has been, instead of just get the father going out to work, we now have both parents out to work, leaving the kids to be raised by daycare, so by strangers, or by devices, so the mobile phone, you know, the iPad. And again, I'm going to quote Sue Palmer here from 21st Century Girls. She says, feminist activists concentrated their attentions on improving mothers' rights in the workplace. Meanwhile, the marketing industry concentrated its attention on gaining access to children's minds. That if both parents are not there, who is, who has the time and the energy to be there for the children? That's, and I'm not blaming parents here, and I'm definitely not blaming the mother, but uh, it's, we have to ask that question that when both parents are not around, what effect does that have on children? And this can, uh, these are questions that are uncomfortable. And I had to ask myself these questions, raising my own children. But we have to think, what are we uh, spending our time and energy doing? Let me tell you about a friend of mine that she used to be a um, well-paid she had a good job and both her and her husband working and then what happened was she thought she was happy with with that arrangement but basically it were her her young child was in daycare and she realized that I'm actually not spending so I'm, I'm earning a lot of money and but that money's going into daycare and I'm not I'm coming home like so from work go and pick up the quite young child from um, daycare, bring them home and then, you know, settle baby, get the cooking done. And then the amount of, the number of hours she was actually spending with her child was so little that, and she felt guilty. And she was thinking that, but how can I leave my job, you know, that I worked so hard for, I'd been studying, this is what I had been, you know, dreaming about because she'd got quite, you know, um, uh, you know, um, professionally, she was doing very well. And, but the thing is that it just, so she, the emotional strain that it was having and the fact that her child, leaving her child in daycare uh, and going to work, she, she wasn't, there wasn't tranquility, there wasn't happiness there, which is, you think, why did, you know, she was thinking, saying, why did I even have a child, my baby, if I'm not going to spend time with, with her? And so, what she then did was she decided, okay, I'm gonna, I want to leave work, but you can't, no one can just leave work. You then have to, so she planned, her and her husband sat down and they thought about what can we, how are we going to do this? We're going to do this, but we, how are we going to do it? So she said, we just had to, um, you know, a uh, budget and had to get rid of, if it meant downsizing, that's what they were going to do. If it meant reducing the outgoings, but, and Alhamdulillah, she's now in a place where, She's now in a smaller apartment and um, only her husband's working and she's now a stay-at-home mum. And she said she was has never been happier. You know, it's not, no one's saying it's, it wasn't easy, but the contentment she feels and um, it, that can't, doesn't have a price in it. That's what we need to realise. And it really shows that when you, we change our lives to fit 
you know, it's to accept what Allah wants us to do. Allah knows what we what is best for us and our children. And, you know, you find, you know, some people, they'll delay having children because of their career or they'll think I'll only have one because it's going to be expensive. Again, in Islam, we don't think like that. The, the rizq is written, you know, the blessings come with, with the kids. So really, I just like to, you know, there is that this was just like a snippet of the Islamic view of marriage. Um, I know there's a lot to think about and uh, what I'm not doing is um, trying to paint a rosy, perfect picture of marriage. That's not what I'm, I know no Muslim couple is perfect and there will be problems. And the beauty of Islam is that they, they, Allah gives us a way to solve our problems. And, um, but I think what we have to, we have to view Allah's guidance, it's there, this blueprint that we are not scrambling around for guidelines or trying to make them up as we go along or thinking the goalposts keep changing that um unless taking care of the roles and responsibilities for us we then you know um need to see how how can we live by that and that how can we keep you know because yeah this is this is the last thing I'm going to say that there's a very famous hadith that I'm sure you've heard of the hadith was narrated by Jabir the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu said, Verily, Satan places his throne over the water and he sends out his troops. The closest to him in rank are the greatest at causing tribulations. One of them says, I have done this and this. Satan says, you have done nothing. Another one says, I did not leave this man alone until I separated him from his wife. Satan embraces him and he says, you have done well. So we know that shaitan is the most happiest when couples, they separate, he causes division. And I know that one of the reasons that a lot of people argue, whether Muslim or non-Muslim, is about who should have to do this or it's unfair or one feels that they're having to do more and one is doing less. Or, you know, again, I'm thinking when I was, uh, you know, working full time, I did. I was doing two jobs. I was the housewife and I was the worker, and it, I wasn't happy. I was really, really stressed and had anxiety, and my hair was falling out. It was not a pretty sight, and it would be a cause of argument. So now, if we know that this is called is a cause of stress and a reason for arguing in our marriages, we need to sit down and fix it. You know, this is something in our control, and. We know the fallout, again, everyone knows of a couple who's been divorced. Everyone knows the effect on the children, the animosity, the hatred, the arguments, the breakup of the family. It that the, the amount of fitna it causes, and again, I know divorce is allowed, so in circumstances, no one's saying stay with an abusive husband. Again, that is something Allah has not told a woman to do. Um, so, but again, the, the wisdom... Allah knows the wisdom and Allah has given it to us through the Quran and Sunnah. It's up to us to take the time to study it and put it into practice. And so, like I said, you can there's the two books, The Ideal Muslim Husband and The Ideal Muslim Wife. There's a full of hadith and ayah and good advice. Please go to my website, farathameen.com, 
and download them for free, inshallah. Inshallah, let's end with dua. Subhanaka Allahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha anta astaghfiruka wa atubu alayk. Wal asr innal insana la fi khusr illa alladina amanu wa amilu salihati wa tawasaw bil haqq wa tawasaw bis sabr. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.